These top stories in the news at this hour. The president imposes, effective June 1st, the extra $1 a gallon hike in the tariff on imported oil. Mayor Beam says the Republicans in Albany treated him shabbily and offered the city nothing in its efforts to meet its budget problem. This is Lester Smith reporting. Next news as it happens. Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR Radio 710, the talk of New York. And here is Gene Shepard. thing I wanted to do. I, I, you know, it's funny. I sometimes I, I, uh, I get an idea, see, of a, of a show that I want to do, and um, I put it off to one side. And uh, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. In other words, uh, sometimes if you put an idea off, and uh, it eventually then disseminates, you never do it. On the other hand, sometimes if you put an idea off, it even gets better. Now, when I first wanted to do this show. Uh, it uh, it didn't have as much relevance, although I, I, there would be no way for me to know it. Uh, it didn't have enough relevance uh, that it would have, let's say, today, because of the economic situation that we find ourselves in right now. <laughs> now, what 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 I want to do here? This is going to be a special show, and you won't hear this. Uh, probably any other place. In fact, I know you won't. And I'm going to say another thing, too. The, what I have here in my hands, I would guess, is probably the only example extant. I would say this is probably the only one that exists. Now, uh, you can't say that about many things, actually. Uh, but I, I feel confident that this is, this is a, if it is, if it is uh, matched by somebody else's, there probably aren't many of them. Not more than... I'd say probably a half a dozen at the very outside. Now, what I have here, this was sent to me by a by a friend that I have in Detroit. 
now uh, of all a year or two ago, I did a show in Detroit for the Chrysler Automobile Executive Club. This is the execs of uh, Chrysler, and uh, after the show, we had a lot of drinks and talking, and around we went uh, all over Detroit and uh, just had an evening, you know. And, and in the middle of the evening, I got talking with one of the executives there that was in our party, and. Uh, I said, uh, in casual passing, I said, you know, I collect, among other things. I'm, I'm, I'm an inveterate collector. For those of you who don't know that, you haven't been listening. I really love to collect stuff. Now, I'm not talking about collect Picassos. Uh, I, I'm just a collector. For example, I love to collect, I collect fountain pens, old fountain pens. This is something I love to collect. I collect old radios. Uh, just old radio sets, uh, primarily ones of pre-1940 vintage. Probably, actually, more pre-1937 vintage. Uh, and there's, you know, there's other things like that that I collect. But, but just, I just love to collect things. Not seriously, you know, where you have the world's greatest collection of singing beer mugs. Uh, not that kind of stuff. I just collect. That's all. And among other things I collect is is old automobiliana. Now, that doesn't mean collect old cars, but automobiliana, stuff that pertains to automobiles, because a lot of it has curious historical meanings in uh, one way or another. Now, uh, automobiliana, for example, uh, can consist of, uh, say, uh, an advertising poster. Uh, you know, they have these posters. You see a poster in the in the Ford dealer, and they have a big big picture. It'll say the new Mustang II or something. Well, uh, collect those. Uh, collect uh, all kinds of things that pertain to cars, like old service manuals. That's always great to collect a a service manual. Uh, of a, a sales brochure, for example, is great. A sales. You know, all new cars. When you walk into a showroom, you know, and you buy, you pick up one of these brochures. You know, it says. Uh, the new 1975 uh, Chevy. You pick up this brochure and it has uh, different color pictures of the different models. Well, I'm I'm just curious as to when that practice started. The 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 practice of having a sales brochure. They look almost exactly the same today as they did some of the earliest examples I have of it. In other words, the form was set some time back because I happen to have, uh, for example, the sales brochures that were gotten from a dealership of a 1932 Auburns. Now, <laughs> that was a, there's an exotic automobile, and yet the sales brochure looks very much like a sales brochure of a today's car. You know, it shows a color picture, shows the various models and, and accessories you can get and so forth. And they're written in the same style, the overblown style, uh, styled for today's man of adventure, uh, styled to... Free you from uh, worry. Drive the new 1932 worry-free, uh, exciting sports style, and so on down the line. You know that's typical automobile copy. But l the one I have today is really fascinating. I hold it up to you. You look at it carefully. There, you can see it looks like a newspaper, and it is a newspaper. And it's called the Hudson and Terraplane News. The Hudson and Terraplane News, and it was a newspaper. Uh, an actual weekly newspaper, and I read uh, the description of it. It's, it looks like a little paper. It actually, looks like a like a little. It, what it really looks like is a, is a college paper. Wouldn't you say it looks like a college paper? 
Almost exactly. If you saw this, if I took this off the front and I called it the, the Princeton Tiger or something, you'd say, well, you know, or the Rutgers uh, Pargum or whatever they call our paper. It looks like a college paper. It's got pictures, and it's set up pretty much like a college paper, but it's called the Hudson and Terraplane News. And underneath it, it says, published in the interest of the Hudson and Terraplane organization everywhere. And it's a newspaper that never went to, to, uh, to drivers. It was only for dealers and salesmen. In other words, it was, a, it was an inter, uh, interdepartment newspaper, uh, the kind of thing that, that the public would never see. So, for example, now, when was this published? Well, okay, I'll tell you when it was published. It was published in 1935. Now, that's a long time ago. And what was going on in America in 1935? That's right. It was in the middle of the Depression. And uh, for those of you who know what eventually happened to the Hudson and Terraplane, you know that, uh, that eventually the Hudson and Terraplane uh, disappeared from the American scene. And they were a fine car in their day, incidentally, but they disappeared uh, for one reason or another when, when, when the big companies sort of swallowed up all the other companies and all the great cars of, uh, let's say, the pre a World War II period were, uh, were just not big industries. And they were swallowed up by General Motors and Ford and Chrysler. Such people as, uh, well, Auburn is a good example of that. Uh, the Stutz, another example of that. The Lafayette, uh, the Willys Knight. <laughs> These were all cars that, uh, that were part of that time. But here's a great, uh, here's their, their lead article. Their lead article for the May issue of 1935 reads this way. Opening week of May Drive gives whirlwind start. Jumpin' deliveries is indication of sales trend this month. And then in big headline it says, all factors favorable. And underneath it it says, definite knowledge of purchasers helps in getting results. And here is the the actual piece. It says, the first week of the Beat April contest started with a bang. By the way, this paper uses exclamation points constantly all throughout it. Because remember, it's trying to get the salesman all pepped up. It's a, it's a pep paper to pep up the salesman. It says, the first week of the Beat April contest started with a bang. There was a whopping increase in deliveries over the week before. And word from the field indicates that that was only a starter. Exclamation point. Several distributors who have talked with the factory in the last four days agreed that the first week looked fine. But they add, quote, watch the second week and the third. More exclamation points. The organization not only beat the week preceding the start of the contest, it also beat the corresponding week of 1934 when deliveries were decidedly heavy. More exclamation points. That means they probably delivered six cars. It is evident that many factors are all working together to make May an outstanding business month. The month itself is one of the best of the year for automobile sales. Added to this is the organization's determination to, quote, beat April and win the awards that the contest holds forth. Back of this, there is a tremendous and mounting wave of buyer acceptance built up through cars already in the hands of owners, newspaper, magazine, and radio advertising on an intensive scale, and the enormous bank of new prospects obtained through the 25-car prize contest in April. The effect of the May sales strategy in picking definite May buyers and concentrating on them is becoming more evident every day. Wow. Now that's the lead article.
Now, you want to hear some more? Here, now here, for example, uh, you think that, uh, you remember when they had the, uh, the, the craze here a year or two ago of seeing how many guys you could stuff in a VW? You think that's new? Listen to this one. Try this one, friend. <laughs> Look at this. They have a picture inside here. It says, you're not seeing things. It really happened. And it shows a Hudson terraplane. But uh, for one thing, it has 19 Western Union delivery boys standing on the roof. <laughs> Wait a minute. Think about that for a minute. Don't laugh. You figure if each kid... And they're, they're not uh, kids either. They all look like they're about uh, 18 and about 6 feet 2. Uh, that each guy must weigh approximately uh, 140, 150 pounds. Put 19 of those guys on a roof, and you've got a lot of people standing on the roof of a car. Can you imagine that happening today to your car if you put 19 people on the roof? Well, anyway, it says, This idea staged recently in Detroit by the Aaron DeRoy Motor Car Company has made Detroit public fully conscious of Hudson-built ruggedness and the solid safety of the roofs of steel on bodies of all steel. They'll do the same for you. Yeah, try this in your city in May. At left, the picture shows a terraplane with more than its weight in Western Union messenger boys piled up on top of it. 3,029 pounds of messenger boy standing on the roof. Well, now, wait a minute, you laugh at that. Can you imagine putting 3,000 uh, 3, pounds of people on the top of your pinto? <laughs> oh, wow. And here's a great, here's a great uh, publicity stunt they have here. It shows, it shows another Hudson Terraplane, and there's a guy sitting on the top of the car with a piano, and he's playing the piano. The piano is attached to the top of the car, and he's, he's dressed in a tuxedo. And standing next to him is another guy wearing white ducks, elegant tuxedo-like thing, and he's got a big white carnation, and his hair is plastered down, and he's about to sing. And uh, it says, uh, at the center, this is the center picture, it says, Donald Novus, famous Columbia Broadcasting Company singer with his attractive accompanist, and a 600-pound piano on platform built on the terraplane's roof of steel so that the car could be driven without the risk of Mr. Novus and the accompanist or the piano sliding off. Now that's, uh... Is that Art Deco? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you see him driving around town with this guy singing, uh, singing Mother McCree, and uh, the piano player's playing. This is W.O.R. New York. Oh, man. Now, their, their final... Oh, I think this is the greatest uh, stunt of all. Their final stunt, it's, uh, it shows the Hudson, and uh, it's really great looking. The Hudson, it, it uh, shows chorus girls. They got together 2,295 pounds of chorus girls, members of the Carla Turney dancing troupe, featured in all the Fox theaters, posing on America's only body, all of steel. There's an entire crowd of chorus girls, and they're, the way they're dressed is fantastic. I mean, if any of you Busby Berkeley fans, this is right in the middle of his period. All the girls have high silk hats, black silk hats, and they've got like what looks like velvet tuxedos on with great big white uh, uh, tuxedo-type lapels, and they're all sitting on... <laughs> that really moves those cars, I'll tell you. Speaking of commercials, we'll be right back. Okay, there you go. Uh, Mr. Hudson himself had a column in the uh, in this paper. Oh yes, there was a Mr. Hudson, 
and uh, he had a column in this paper. Do you find this interesting? I mean, uh, it, it's, it's fascinating to look at, especially since you realize the hopes and the blasted dreams. And if I told you where I got this, it even is sadder that uh, this executive, this Detroit executive that I knew, said that, uh, that when the Detroit uh, factory of the Hudson people, when they went out of business uh, and everything was all over, you know, you kind of think of an automobile company as something so big and so official that it doesn't have that kind of personal thing. He said, but he had a friend who uh, at one time in his early days was a uh, design engineer or something for the Hudson Company. And he says, when the company went out of business, they were just gone. That's it. It was all over. And uh, he went to Detroit to, uh, to pick up some papers or something that he had that belonged to him that were on file there. And the place was empty. It was just gone. The whole company was over and done with. And he went through the desk drawers in the company, when the, you know, what was left of it. There was nobody there. It was all over. And he took out of the desk drawers, just as souvenirs, some of these old uh, advertising things they had. And he, he took out some, some pro, uh, sales books and promotion things and so on. And he said he walked out of this plant or what was left of it. It was practically dismantled. He says, and here were the offices of the president and the, the, uh, the, the, the top executives and the doors were all hanging off and the glass was broken on the windows. He said it was really, really a fascinating thing to see because this was a great name in automobiling at one time. But uh, this was one of the things that he had. And here, uh, here is the column from Mr. Hudson himself. It says, Terry Hudson says, that's the name of the column. Did you know that there was a Terry Hudson? <laughs> well, I didn't know it until I read this. And here he is. He, he looks like the front end. They have a profile shot of him, and he looks like the front of a Hudson Terraplane. You know, he's got that jutting nose sticking out there. And he says, Victor Hugo was one of the old boys, way back there, who wrote things that still have a lot of meaning today. That's why people still read his writings, I guess. There was one bit of smart thinking credited to him that certainly ought to be kept alive. It's mighty good Hudson and Terraplane business thinking right this minute. How's that for the salesman at work? Victor Hugo. Here's what he wrote, quote, He who every morning plans the transactions of the day and follows out that plan carries a thread that will guide him through the labyrinth of the most busy life. The orderly arrangement of his time is like a ray of light which darts itself through all of his occupations. But where no plan is laid, where the disposal of time is surrendered merely to the chance of incidents, chaos will soon reign. End of quote. And he says, you know, that's the self-same principle that we're applying right now in May. Instead of going through each day haphazardly, depending on each day to bring its own hits or misses, we're going to go out and get them. We're going to create our own incidents, and we're going to build them on a plan of our own. That's a good principle. Stick to it. Wow. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was the day of Babbitt, all right, wasn't it? And uh, he has this long column about uh, how you should organize your time. He seemed to be really hung on time organization, and uh, he tells how to make a sale. Uh, the first step in a sale is knowing where to go to find a prospect. Well, you can't argue that, can you, Corny? I mean, it's no sense of trying to sell uh, ice boxes up in uh, 
up in the Arctic, right? Okay, you got to go where they need it, huh? And uh, then you ask yourself these questions. What appointments do I have today? What time are they? And then you go out and make that sale. Go to that neighborhood. Face-to-face contacts are tremendous in making sales. Well, okay. <laughs> and uh, they, they gave awards. You want to see some of the awards? See, they gave these great awards to, to, to uh, salesmen who, who made their quota for May. And some of these awards would be priceless Art Deco objects today. Look at that lamp, the magnificent brass lamp. And uh, it says, built to the famous new scientific specifications of the Illuminating Engineering Society, a beautifully designed study and reading lamp. And that comes if you really, really push it over. And for you Penn fans, they were also giving away an Oxford desk set made by the Parker Corporation. (laughs) It's made of non-tarnishing chrome on black Carrara. Wow, that's pure Art Deco. Whee! And uh, I have the names of some of these uh, top uh, dealers here. Do you want to know who the dealer was in New York of the Hudson? All right, it's right here. Let's see. H-I-J-K. L-M-N-O. I'm sorry to have to tell you this. Sorry to have to say it. Uh, New York's dealer did not make that list. They did not beat April in New York. However, Philadelphia did very well. (laughs) Now, uh, let's see if, uh, if there was an individual, though, that did it. Now, New York. Okay. Here are salesmen listed on this page of the names of the Hudson and Terraplane salesmen who made three or more deliveries in the Beat April contest, May 6th to 11th inclusively. It says, get your delivery cards in early for next week's report. Okay. In New York, Leonard S. Norris of the Hudson and Terraplane Sales Corporation made a delivery of six cars in that week. I wonder where Leonard Norris is or any of his relatives are listening tonight. Old Leonard (laughs) gets on the radio. Here's another one. Fred Stone of the Hudson and Terraplane Sales Corporation of New York City. He did it. And here's another one from New York City. H.M. Fallheimer, also of the Hudson and Terraplane Sales Corporation, all three salesmen went over to top. Okay, you want to hear, uh, maybe there are some Jersey types listening. So New Jersey, New Jersey, New Orleans, well, New Jersey was running true to form. Nobody made it. <laughs> Nobody made the list. <laughs> Speaking of salesmanship, how about a few little uh, ding-dongs here right now? Here we go, let's sing the old anthem, gang. Sooner or later... I say sooner or later, someday you'll own. Oh, someday you'll own. Yeah, sooner or later, you'll own the General. Yeah, yeah. It's vacation value days at General Tire. It's a great time to get your car ready for the summer driving ahead. You know, like yelling at the kids in the back seat and stopping all the time at the Howard Johnson for those quick stops because nobody's got the right uh, internal equipment. So get the famous General Bali Jet for as little as two for $45.90. That's for size A78-13 tubeless black wall plus $1.75 federal excise tax for tire. Oh, I've got an exciting set of lyrics. So get down to your General Tire service at 91 New Brunswick Avenue you in colorful Perth Amboy, New Jersey. Sooner or later, Sooner or later you'll own general. Yeah, yeah. Right, uh. This is a fascinating thing here. And, and of course, the entire... Uh, here's a great little item here. Little item. 
in here. It's a special news item in the paper. It says, has anyone seen Pancho? On March 21st, 1935, we sold to Pancho Peters a terraplane coach. Serial number 519125. Motor number 117576. Mr. Peters is a, quote, stunt driver, traveling under the name of either R.P. Gardner or Pancho Peters. He is probably playing one of the larger cities as a daredevil car driver. Payments have not been completed on this man's terraplane, and we will pay a reward of $25 for return of the car. Please notify us if this man is appearing in your city. C.E. Jordan, H&S Motor Company of Memphis. Oh, there's flim-flam artists everywhere. Can't you see Pancho Peters being played by uh, by Robert Redford driving his stolen terraplane around? And uh, <laughs> now here here's a I think another uh, another great uh, little piece. So you see, they have humor in this paper too. Now you want to hear the humor? It says, uh, uh, and the headline reads: Niles Paper Josh's George. An employee newspaper published by the Simplicity Pattern Company of Niles, Michigan, recently carried this item. Quote, George DePire has become the owner of a new Hudson-built airplane, and as a result, it may be expected that the Niles shipping department will soon be controlled by an electric hand. <laughs> well, now, do you know what the electric hand was? You don't know, huh? Their little comment says, good electric hand publicity, don't you think? Electric hand was... They had they uh, in, in, if you know anything of the history of the automobile, and don't immediately write me and say this was well before my time, buddy. That they had at that time an electro select transmission. In other words, it was the forerunner to the automatic transmission, and it was operated electrically. It was called electric pre-selection, and uh, they called it the electric hand. And uh, okay, you got it right. Now, uh, let's see if I can uh, give you any more interesting bits here. Hey, and here's a beautiful car, I'll tell you. Really magnificent example of a convertible. Wow, I'll tell you, it's really great. Uh, if, if you could pick up one of these, this is a real collector's item. It's a convertible terraplane. And uh, it shows this lady standing in front of it, and she's pure 1930s. I mean, it's so pure 1930s styles but it looks like she's just faking it. You know, it's like somebody is doing it. And it says, Patricia Ellis, famous lady of the silver screen, smiles out at you from a streamlined background made by a Hudson convertible that she drove in her recent visit to Detroit. Miss Ellis, now back in Hollywood, visited her old hometown of Detroit recently, and the picture above was made during her visit. Patricia Ellis. Did you ever hear of her? Well, there she is. <laughs> she had her moment in the sun. Uh, but uh, this... Uh, now, you want to hear more about the electric hand? Okay, here's an item about that. Elliot M. Young, insurance agent of Littleton, Mass., traded in his car a year ahead of time solely because of the electric hand with automatic clutch. His letter to the Elm Street Garage, Hudson and Terraplane dealer, says, My recent order for a deluxe terraplane convertible coupe would not have been given if it were not for the fact that an automatic clutch control were available. This is the year, you know, that I don't change cars. My perfect machine that you sold me last year is running fine. But this electric hand seems to be such an improvement, I'm not going to wait another year. Get my car ready. 
<laughs> well, that's the kind of stuff to feed the troops when sales are going down, right? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I'll bet any money that this kind of stuff is going to develop now. I mean, you know, now that we're hitting, uh, we're hitting these little uh, uh, rocky times economically, I'll bet companies are going to start having sales pep meetings. You know, I want all of you to show up tomorrow in the frozen food counter with a clean shirt on. I don't want to have no... <laughs> right? And I want you to be kind to the customers. It's all over. All that stuff we used to yell at them, that's done. You're going to be friends with them. Well, this this is a this to me is is a is a great piece of uh, of, of, of Americana. It's all it can be called. Even if you're not interested in cars, uh, it's it's an Americana uh, bit. Now listen to this one. Now uh, here's an here's a headline entitled "British Car Theft Ends with Tribute to Owners Hudson." And here's the story: Automobile thefts are rare in England where close checks on car registrations and stern punishment for lawbreakers are traditional. When one does happen, it is not looked down as a minor sort of thievery, but as a major crime committed by, quote, gangsters. Such a theft happened recently at Croydon, outside of London. The car stolen was a Hudson 8, owned by T.T.C. Garak, managing director of the Revita Company of Southwark Street, London, Southeast 1. Mr. Garrett's letter to Hudson Motors, Limited of, of London, telling of the theft and later recovery of the car is headed, quote, a gangster's tribute. The letter says, two days before we had planned to take an Easter trip, I discovered my Hudson 8 had been stolen from its lockup garage where I live in Croydon. That's garage in England, right? Due to very worthy and expeditious work on the part of the police authorities, Aided by their highly efficient wireless organization, the car was discovered abandoned in a street in Wimbledon within a few hours of the loss having been reported. When found, the car had in it a case containing several thousands of cigarettes, on top of which a note had been placed reading as follows. Quote, Whoever finds these cigarettes is welcome to them. Also the car which gave an excellent performance when we were pulling our job. <laughs> How about that now? Only in England. I mean, I kind of like that style of a guy stealing a car, pulling a job, and then leaving cigarettes for the guy, you know. He's giving him a tip, see? And then he puts a little endorsement of the car, see? And then, then the, the owner goes on to say, the performance must indeed have been excellent to have caused these, quote, gangsters to have paused in their ultimate getaway to allow themselves sufficient time to pay it this written tribute, which I feel should be of some interest to you. Yours very truly, T.T.C. Garat. Well, now, for the, <laughs> for the benefit of, uh, for the benefit of, uh, of the, those who don't know the history of the automobile, uh, I'd like to point out that the, that the Hudson Terraplane was indeed the favorite getaway car used by top uh, bank robbers uh, of the period, which was 1934-1935. As a matter of fact, there is a famous story about how one of them, uh, who uh, recently, incidentally, a movie was made about him, and, I, and I'll, I'll ask a question. Uh, can you identify who it was? This was a famous bank robber, not Bonnie and Clyde. This a, no, it was not Dillinger. A famous bank robber who, uh, at, at one point, 
was was known always for pulling his jobs with Hudson Terraplanes. He had uh, uh, black Hudsons, and he had built into the back of the Hudson, he had a, a device that was built uh, over the gas uh, tank in the back so that when he was being pursued, he could he could pull a lever on the on the dashboard and the thing opened and it sprayed carpet tacks all over the road behind him. <laughs> now, he also had then, he had another one that when he was, if they, he was really in trouble, see, he'd pull another one and it would just swow all over the street behind him. He would lay down a thick film of diesel oil, just spread it out there so if anybody's following, he's in trouble. Now, he had a further trick that he used to do. This guy also had uh, license plates that were changeable while you're driving. He had a device made that had about five license plates in it. So it would just flip over. And, and next thing you know, there's a guy driving an Oklahoma car. <laughs> now, he did one thing that was famous. Uh, this is a legendary story, this guy, that, that he wrote to the Hudson Car Company. He was a very famous bank robber. He wrote to the Hudson Car Company a series of letters uh, which are still in existence someplace, uh, wrote to them saying that he's so delighted with their car that any time they would like to use his name and or picture in an advertising campaign, he would be delighted to do it, and not only that, he would let them do it free. He wouldn't even charge them for this. So the Hudson Terraplane was a really uh, goer. Now, what did Terraplane stand for? The word Terraplane. Well, think about it for a minute. Terra, Earth. It was a plane of the Earth. It flew. Uh, it flew low. And uh, do you want another one here? No. It, it flew low, and in fact, did fly low. So that was the Hudson Terraplane. And and this this piece of uh, Americana here is so great because it's all filled with uh, little slogans. Uh, get up early. The early bird catches the worm. Uh, pound the streets, and good fortune will pound its way to your door. I mean, I like these things. Uh, all the way through the, the paper is those little expletives, like, uh, like uh, the man that gets up early is the man that retires early. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the man that keeps his eye on the sale is the man who will make the sale. You know, well, you know what happened. The guy goes out to make us some. Next thing you know, he winds up with a chock full of nuts, and he winds up down at the bar, and he never makes the sale. And there's this little guy with sharp eyes down there making it. Well, this is what they did. Now, here are the, the, the pictures of the all-star team published on the back page. It's the, it's the, uh, the these are the team members, the uh, team captains of the all-star team of Hudson salesman, and uh, let's see who it was in our district. Now, we would be called the Northeastern District, wouldn't we? Oh, yes. A Mr. W.J. Case of New York City was the district manager, and uh, he says that, uh, that his best dealership, by the way, was in Providence, Rhode Island. It was the R.W. Powers Motor Company, and they completed 97.7% of their quota for the last year. New York City was about halfway down, in spite of its three stars. <laughs> it's really great. I want you know this. This is this is looking at this thing. It's like it's like looking at a whole uh, compendium of lost and gone dreams of these people, because you know the Hudson Motor Car Company uh, finally wound up uh, 
quietly drifting out of business in the uh, in the I believe it was the early 50s and it disappeared forever incidentally even in the last days of the Hudson Company it was a terror that car uh, if you have a chance to ever go to the Daytona Speed Museum, you know, the big track at Daytona where they run the Daytona 500, right there, standing among all the other cars, is the first car to ever break uh, a 100-mile-an-hour average in one of their big races. And what do you think it is? It's a Hudson Hornet. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Hudson Hornet. What were some of the other Hudson names? The, the Hudson Hornet, the Hudson... What? They, they also built one of the smaller, the Wasp, the Hudson Wasp. Uh, they built one of the smallest cars, too. They, they were the, one of the first people to come out with a compact. What was that called? The Hudson Jet. Yeah, yeah, they, they uh, but uh, lost and gone, along with Packard, Studebaker, uh, Nash. Uh, that was, a, that was a, a goodie. The Willie's Knight. Do you know that I did one of the first television color commercials? Uh, when color first came in on TV, I did uh, the color commercials for uh, the Willys. They had a car called the, the Willys Bermuda. And uh, that was when they were turning out the Jeep, the Willys Jeepster. But uh, the Bermuda was their, uh, their attempt to make it into the, uh, the luxury car class. The Willys, and there I stood next to it, the Willys Bermuda. And in, in the next booth doing the color commercials were Bob and Ray. What do you think they were doing commercials for? Lost and gone. The Packard Golden Eagle. <laughs> so, would you please? Hudson Terraplane News. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation. Mobile Oil Corporation presents In Conversation a series of discussions meant to enlighten and involve you, the listener. Tonight, our host is author-journalist Nat Henthoff. It's one thing for a journalist to gain recognition in his own country as being preeminent in whatever it is he does, but international recognition is much more difficult for journalists since most of us don't get much of a chance to see the press of another country. Nonetheless, extraordinary excellence can transcend countries and continents. A case in point was a ceremony in New York a while ago at which Harold Evans, editor of the Sunday Times of London, received the international...